0: All right. Well, good morning everyone. Good morning. It is good to see you here this morning. It's great to be at church. I love being on church on Sunday morning. Sure beats being in a hospital bed. Amen. Or yeah. at a funeral home. Some churches that were like a funeral home. <laughs> I've had church in a funeral home. So it's like, hey, Jeremiah chapter number 9. I want to ask this question for you. Are you anchored? Now I get it. It's Anchor Baptist Church, but I want to ask the question: Are you anchored? Are you resolved? Are you sure? There's a lot of, you know, analogies. Obviously, this is Anchor Baptist Church. We think of different, um, you know, terminologies and in, in uh, references or uh, symbolisms. But when you're when you're out in the storms of life, and the wind, the winds are are raging, and the waves are just crashing you about, throwing you about, it is good to have your anchor. Grasping onto something firm. I was telling Pastor about this a couple a couple weeks ago. I think it was last week. And he was his. If you don't know Pastor Rice's dad, I'm telling you what you don't. You're missing out a blessing because Brother Ed, Pastor Ed Rice, is just one of those kind of guys that just he's just fun to know. And I remember on his boat, he would use what we figured out was brake rotors as his anchors. And it was a good idea, but when the we realized afterwards that he just didn't go anywhere there's nothing that grappled to the to the bottom of the lake and it would just drift along some people have anchors but they don't hold them steady they have things in life they hope to that they don't hold fast to and they have it in meaning they have it in ideology they have it in thought but they don't have it in essence and I want to ask that question for the next five weeks we're going to look at that and ask you the question are you anchored There's that song that says, I've anchored my soul in the haven of rest. That's good, but are you anchored? How is your foundation? Are you anchored to the rock? Are you anchored to Christ Jesus? We're going to look at some areas today, and the first we're going to look at is the area of absolutes. We live in a day and age today where absolutes are just out the window, now, I know you've seen it for the, coming for the past 60, 70 years. I haven't, right? I'm panicking, not really. But I am like, this is not going good. I look at the world and how crazy it's gotten, and I'm just alarmed at what life, what I'm leaving for my kids and for the kids coming up behind us, and I'm very much concerned. And I have to ask, I have to ask are we anchored in absolutes? It is alarming at how many people have... Even how many of our, of our generation, I'm including myself to your generation for, for a little bit since I'm in your class today. How many in our generation have cast off absolutes for the sake of love? Well, I love my daughter. I don't agree with the lifestyle she's in, but I, want, I love her. Or my son. I don't agree with the life he's living, but he's my son. It's a hard topic to deal with but the absolutes are absolutes Jeremiah chapter number 9 there's a standard of all standards and I want you to think about this as we get through it there is a lot of standards that God had given there's things that specifics that God had when I say the standard I mean this is something that God holds himself to there's a standard that there's standards that God himself holds himself to for instance God in his nature God in his essence God in his character who he is is holy Amen. So God will always operate in what? Holiness. God is righteous. God will always operate in righteous. God is love. God will always operate with love. God is true. God will always operate with truth. There's a standard by which he operates and he governs himself by and that standard is the word of God. That God governs himself according to the word of God. The Bible says he's magnified his word above his name. He holds his word very dear and special. In fact, God has preserved his word, not just for our sakes, but for his own testimony's sake. Because his word will not return unto him what? Void. So God's word is very much established. So God never operates outside of his word. And he'll never operate with us outside of his word. Let's let's go to the Bible here in Jeremiah chapter number 9. the Lord. What three things? Loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness. Those three words we're going to find out popping up throughout the Bible. Aren't you glad God does not change? Amen. Amen. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews thirteen eight. I am the Lord, I change not. He, Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. Aren't you glad that God does not change? I'm glad for that. But these three things that God wants, these are things that God, that he does, that God exercises, is loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. behold, uh, Verse 25, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will punish all them which are circumcised with the uncircumcised. This transcends any, anything else. He's going to deal all men alike, circumcised or uncircumcised, he's going to judge all men with loving kindness, With righteousness and with judgment that's how he's gonna operate verse 26 Egypt and Judah Edom and the children of Ammon and Moab and all that are in the uttermost corners that dwell in the wilderness for all these nations are uncircumcised and all the house of Israel are uncircumcised in the heart let's go ahead and pray Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, you'd bless this time. I pray, Lord, you'd help me speak efficiently, clearly. Help me, Lord, to be time management, have time management. And, Lord, help us have ears to hear. Help me, Lord, not to speak quickly, but, Lord, help me to speak thoroughly. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The children of Israel observed some very strict standards, and there were, and some standards that were very religious. If you think about the Amish around us today, we all live around Amish. How many have never seen an Amish person? <laughs> We've all seen Amish people, right? If not, we'll go down the Amish country, I'll show some people, you can tell right off the bat, they're Amish, there's something different about them. And they look at, they, they hold some things very different about them. The Jews, they hold some things very religiously. They held the, circ, the, the, the circumcision, the standard of circumcision, very religiously. They held feast days very religiously, even to this day. They held the Sabbath when convenient, <laughs> but they didn't go off in the exile, but they didn't forget the Sabbath, but they held some things very, very, very um, religiously. They were known for some of their cultural traditions, just like the Amish are. Right? Think about four things that make the um, that makes the that make the Jewish people different, and their culture is like their songs. You can tell a Jewish song away from anything else. This is different. You can tell an Amish song away from anyone else because it's different. You can just tell it's different. If you don't believe me, go to P. Graham Dunn. Go in there in the little side room and get a free CD. It's great. Mennonite, Mennonite Amish music It's great. I love it. I listen to it. It's. I learn parts from music listening to you know just the hymns, acapella, and it's beautiful. But you know what? They're known for that. You know they're known. If you've, ever, if you've ever been to an Amish wedding, I've had the privilege of driving for some Amish, and I dropped them off, and I was waiting for pickup, and you can hear them singing for, literally a country mile. Just hearing them singing, and it's in the, in their you know in their whatever dialect and they could just hear them singing it's like they're known for their songs their beards the Amish are known for their beards they're known for their attire they were known for their speech guess what the Jews were also you know what we're supposed to we're also known for some from these same traditions now ladies I don't I don't advise you to start growing beards but um, these were known for some cultural traditions but God didn't want their standards or our standards, in fact, to be two left feet. They did want them to have standards which were evidences of judgment, loving kindness, and righteousness. And the standards that God wants us to have ought to be of judgment, of loving kindness, and of righteousness. The glory that we have, any glory that comes to us, any praise, any admiration of men ought to not stay to us. It ought to be the physical presence or an outward purity not saying that we shouldn't have those things, but it should always point to God. They should always be of the hidden man of the heart that points us to Christ. That there's something different about Tim Delello and ought to point people to God. Now there's things different about me. I'm different. I just know I'm different. I'm i I'm, I'm very weird, I'm different. But I know like I want, but I want people to see the hidden man of the heart. They want people to see that. I want people to glorify God in me paul wanted people that he says they glorified god in me they saw the change in paul's life and they wanted to glorify god in him so the standards that we must have even on the physical they must bring about loving kindness just judgment and righteousness the things that we do with our life ought to bring about judgment loving kindness and righteousness The Spirit of God, if you think about it this way, always acts in correlation with these limits of the Word of God. If you take your Bible, go to John chapter 16, John chapter 16, a lot of people have this notion that God has changed his focus and rules and mindset and gospel from people to people from time to time. God has always wanted his people to operate in loving kindness, with judgment, And righteousness. The Bible says in Micah chapter 6 verse 8, but he hath shown the old man what the Lord requires of thee. But what is it? To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. If you take those in essence and you look at and you pick those words apart and you look at it, what is God telling us that he's required of us? Loving kindness, righteousness, and judgment. Now, judgment is not like I'm sitting back and I get to pick on Brother Doug and look down at him. That's not what, that's not what judgment means. It means that I discern what is right and what is not right. The Bible says Jesus told us to judge with righteous judgment. But understanding that if I don't judge with righteous judgment, I'm going to be judged with the same measure that I judge. So if I'm judging in unrighteousness, I deserve to be judged in unrighteousness but I'm going to be judged by God with righteousness and by others with righteousness. God doesn't change just because man does. The Spirit of God will act in correlation with these limits. John chapter 16, verses 7 through 11. Nevertheless, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. It takes loving kindness to deal with someone's sin. Loving kindness is going to that person and letting him know, that's not right. You're doing it wrong. It's a sin. You're an error without judgment, without chastising, up and saying, you know, Mrs. Delello, you're wrong. You should have obeyed your husband. <laughs> hey, Brother Tanis does it. I figure I can do it, right? <laughs> but... <laughs> But, um, but as you, we ought to do the same things. Like, hey, loving kindness is looking at one another, and, and with that understanding that I don't want to offend this brother, my goal of correcting them is to bring them back to a place of fellowship, to bring them back to a place of restoration. If I'm disciplining someone, if I'm correcting someone, it is to bring them back to usefulness. It is not to leave scorched earth. It is for a purpose of, hey, let's get this thing right. Let me help you. Let me teach you. Let me guide you. Let me instruct you. We read that this, this past Wednesday. Oh, man, out of the top, out of the top 10 sermons I've heard pastors preach or teach, uh, you know, going through Bible studies. And I, the whole t- every sermon I've been here so far, that was one of the top 100. It was awesome. It was a great, it was a great sermon, but it's going through. That was, a, that was a joke. But it was an awesome sermon about dealing with sin. And the Bible says that God will guide me. God will guide thee. I will guide thee with mine eye. And he's going to instruct, he's going to convict us of our sin, but then he's going to show us a better way. He's going to teach us how and the way we ought to go. That's what we need in our life, and that's why we have the Holy Spirit of God. Recently, like this past week, I was doing something good. I have been religiously, two years ago, I was driving my Dodge Caravan. And i was driving it up to check on the church in akron i was i was on my way to take care of take care of things and i just got out of the hospital i just got out from having COVID, barely able to walk sub-zero temperatures and my engine blew up right on Maslin road one exit 118 just dead doa gone i was in a bad position I went and got a new car, had to go get a new car. I'm paying for a rolling credit card. I hate this stupid car. Paying for this debt for this Chrysler uh, town and country. So religiously, I am making sure that I make sure I put oil in that thing. Religiously, every 3,000 to 3,500 miles, I am on target every time getting an oil change. This past Thursday, I'm out doing shut-in visits. I came by the church to get... The flowers, the plants from um, Mother's Day. And I got right here by the school, right here by the seed store, and my engine started making a weird noise. I'm like, this is not the time to have this problem. I've got Abigail with me, I've got Aisley with me. It's ministry day. They don't have to do schoolwork. They're all excited. I'm excited. Let's go do some shut in visits. Pulling the church, pastor's like, that doesn't sound good. I'm like, how dare you judge? <laughs> Make a long story short, I got it. We got, we put some. You know, it was down on oil. I put some. I'm like, how is it down on oil? I check this thing religiously, right? There's no oil spots anywhere. I'm like, I don't get it. I drive. We go and get some oil. I put it in. I'm driving down the road. It's lighting up. It's not making the noise anymore. I'm like, praise the Lord. I get it home. Fantastic. I'm safe. Did the visiting. Praise the Lord. Next morning, I'm going out to work. Six thirty in the morning. I'm on the on the road. Engine goes out. A lot of people will say oh the Holy Spirit must not I wanted you to go no what happened was I have a soft alloy engine and although I was doing oil changes regularly there's an oil leak somewhere that I was not aware of and now the oil didn't have the engine didn't have enough oil and even though I was doing something good I didn't have enough oil in the engine like I thought I did because I didn't check it because I trusted the mechanic and at the end of the day my engine blew so what does that say? Sometimes we trust something up to fate, saying, oh, the Holy Spirit led me to do it. No, he didn't, because God doesn't operate, according to, doesn't operate opposite according to his word. If God is living, God is doing something in your life, and you say, oh, the Holy Spirit wanted me to do something. Well, I can't help it. God has led me to say something, but it's not in line with Scripture. God didn't have you say that. That, was your, that wasn't the Holy Ghost, that was your holy gut, Amen. So look at so the Bible tells us he's going to operate. He's going to teach us in those three things: judgment, loving kindness, and righteousness. Everything he does. Let's use some plain reasoning from Scripture. God will only operate according to His word. That's why He is. That's why He's given us His word. It's His contract with us. It's not where God's going to say, "Well, you know what? I change the rules." My father-in-law growing up would tell my, my, would tell my wife all the time, well, new rule, they'd be playing a game. They'd be playing a simple board game, and he'd be losing. Well, new rule, new rule, and his rule would change to benefit him. That's not how God operates. Oh, man is getting happy. Let me make a new rule. That's not how God operates. God established things from the very get-go. God has always had rules. God has always, God has always had his law, and he operates by that law. Christ only operated according to God's word. Christ never did things out, outside of what, was, well, what, God had, what God is, what he said. The Holy Spirit has and is and will always operate according to God's word. So then, God's word is his bond. Now drawing from this simple principle and understanding, we understand the standard of all standards or the absolute of all absolutes is that we must abide by the word of God. If the Spirit of God is leading us, wouldn't it stand the reason that He will only lead us according to the Word of God? Wouldn't that stand as the reason that He wouldn't lead us to a fun-centered church that's got the disco light, smoking light mirrors, and mosh pit, and no doctrine being preached from the pulpit? But hey, they have a the music ministry. Would God lead us to that type of church? Would God ever lead us to start a church outside of a split? Where God ever would God ever have us to go to a church and follow after a man and not follow after biblical leadership? God would never have us do these things. Would God have us go and live our lives opposite according to his word as long as we're happy? Well, that's, that's humanism. We don't live. God doesn't exist for our happiness. We exist for his happiness. And for thy pleasure, they are and were created. Thou art worthy, O Lord. We're not here for our pleasure. God's not here for our happiness. We're here for his Everything that we do, everything the Holy Spirit does ought to, ought to reflect the fact that, our, that ought to, it ought to reflect us to these three things of loving kindness, righteousness, and judgment. Our life, if spirit-filled, will demonstrate these areas since the Holy Spirit of God is in us. Ephesians chapter 5, if you would. Can anyone tell me the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Where would I find the fruit of the Spirit? Exactly. Galatians chapter 5. We're going to find it somewhere else. Ephesians chapter 5. Now, the reason why I'm looking at it this way is because it shortens it up for us. Aren't you glad God shortens things up for us? My wife, when she gives direction to the kids, gives a long discourse. I mean, she'll give this great big long speech Beautiful speech. She should write sermons. Not saying she hasn't in the past. But um, me, I'm like, children are animals. They deserve two or three word commands. Stop, sit, quiet. <laughs> that's, that's, they do it for me. My wife will sit there and 15 breaths in. I've already told them stop, and I'm already back doing whatever. My wife will give this long. We are, we are children. The Bible calls us children for a purpose. God shortens it up nice and sweet for us. Chapter 5, verse 9. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable in the Lord. Well, what is that? Well, it's really, in essence, if you boil it down and look at it, it's what? Judgment, loving kindness, and righteousness. If you take the fruit of the Spirit and boil it down, that's what it is. Isn't that good to know that God's consistent? I'm thankful for that. John chapter 14, let's go back and look at John for a little bit. We're going to go through, and let's see if I can get through my notes quickly before the time runs out. John chapter number 14. I could riddle off a whole laundry list of things that we should, that we should have, but we could argue with them, no doubt. We could even go to the Bible and point out do's and don'ts, but we're not going to do that. We're going to look at what the Holy Spirit does in relation to the Word of God, and we should know that that's what we should also do if we're Spirit-filled. Now, if we're not doing these things, there's a problem upstream and we're not spirit-filled. Not saying that we're not saved. It means they are walking in the flesh, not in the spirit. That just requires us a little trip to the altar. That requires us a little altering in our heart. Right? That requires us a little bit of what the Bible calls circumcision of the heart. Amen? So look at some things with the, let's look at some things what the Holy Spirit does. In John chapter number... 14, verse number 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you, my peace, give I, give, uh, my, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Not, let not your heart be troubled, neither let, your, let, neither let it be afraid. Let's skip down to chapter 15, in verse number 14. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. But where 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 do we find God's commandments? The word of God, right? Let's get chapter 15 verse 26 and 27. But when the comforter come whom the Father will send unto you from the but when the comforter's come whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which is proceeded from the Father, he shall testify of me, and ye also shall bear witness because ye have been with me from the beginning. Alright, so we see that the Holy Spirit of God is gonna testify and is gonna speak of the truth. Let's go down to verse chapter number sixteen. Chapter number sixteen, verses number thirteen through fifteen. I'm gonna come back to these in a minute. Don't don't I am wanna read these fast so when I point the verses of passages, we've already read them. Alright? Now I cannot read that clock, so what I need is for somebody to stand up and wave a white hanky when I get to 45. No? Okay. <laughs> Brother Gray, can you do that for me? I was <laughs> no, <I'm just> kidding. <laughs> Chapter sixteen, verse number, uh, yeah, verse number thirteen sounds good. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of Truth, is come, he will guide you in all truth, into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things; he will shew you things to come. And he shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall shew it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine, therefore said I, that he shall take of mine and shall, shew, and shall shew it unto you. So the Holy Spirit of God is going to teach us all things, right? Look at number eight, verses 18 through 33. I will not reference everything, but I'll point some things out. Um, let's, let's go down to verse number um, But I'll reference those, okay? So reference those from verses 18 through 33. And I'm referencing those, because I'll come back to those in a little bit. But these are some things that we know that the Holy Spirit will do, that we can gather what the Holy Spirit, a Holy Spirit-filled life will be. So number one, obedience. A Holy Spirit-filled life will bring obedience. Chapter 15, verse 14. If we live an obedient Christian life, we're going to obey this. If we're we're filled with the Spirit, we're going to obey God. You can't tell someone who's obedient to the Scriptures that's living an obedient. A person who's filled with the Spirit is going to obey the things of God. I'll use this illustration quickly. I pastored a church in upstate New York. One of the founding members sat in the very back row. I was preaching through and just showing through the law of God. Not like the Ten Commandments in Moses, but the law of God that's written upon the hearts and how we have strayed as a church, how we had strayed as a society, how we had strayed away from the things of God. And I was pretty much meddling, preaching on sin. Imagine that. And I was preaching through this, and this lady goes, I don't care what the Bible says. I know what I believe. Now, this is what the founding member of one of the founding members of the church stood up a lady, or at least vocally spoken church, I stepped back for a second. She interrupted service. That was wrong on so many levels, obviously, right? And I stopped for a second, and I let everybody hear what she said and let it totally sink in. And I let that much time silence pass by. I closed up my notes, closed my Bible, and I said, that is the problem. It's a problem with our church. It's a problem with our community. It's a problem with our nation. It's a problem with your home. It's a problem with our life. Where does it missed and I ended the service just like that. And I went to my office and I prayed and I wept. I didn't know what else to do. I was like, literally, we had just got out of a building program my wife and I had just sweat and labored and housed like 14 sweaty, nasty, smelly construction workers for two years at our house. Sacrificed everything we had to build the building. We just went from being major in debt to being debt-free. A debt-free building, no debt. And trying to build a building, trying to fix a, a reputation in the community of uh, a wrong church. And I remember just just being heartbroken in my office, just crying and just at tears because I was like, wow. She came to the office, knocked on the door, and she said, I won't be back. I said, it's probably for the best. And I, was like, and I was trying to be loving kindness and gracious and kind. She called me a couple years later. She was in the hospital. I went by and visited her. I never stopped loving her. But if you're not going to live a life obedient to the scriptures, you're not spirit-filled. You're carnally minded obedience. Now, the best thing would have been, would be to hit the altar and get things right. The best thing would be, is to circumcise your heart. The best thing, the thing to do is repent and get things right. That's the best thing that could have happened. But in her, her, in her place at that moment, her heart was, I don't care what the Bible said. And I think when she heard it and replayed it in her mind over and over again, it ate her up and she was so embarrassed. Number two, Our testimony. You know, God's not going to hold us accountable to things he has not revealed. Well, I don't know exactly how it's going to happen in Revelation, but we should wait till God reveals it. Then I'll be held accountable. We're already held accountable to what God's already given us. There are so many people out there trying to find what the hidden books of the Bible say. Why don't you just stick to what the Bible already says? Because we have a hard enough time obeying that. My, my daughters are, well, what are we doing? I want you to go get dressed. Then what? go get dressed. Then what? Go get dressed. Okay, I'm dressed. Now go brush your hair. Well, I'm not a kid, dad. <laughs> yes, you are. I want you to go brush your hair. And then a little while later, I'm going back there with a brush and I'm combing her hair. I'm getting knots out of her hair. And I'm like, why? And I'm, because you're a child. You don't want, you're not going to get past this. I want, I'm teaching the things that you can handle. If you're choking at the milk, Brother Corbett talked about this a couple of weeks ago. If you're choking at the milk, you're not going to handle the meat. I want you to give you steak, but you can't handle the steak. You're choking at the milk. I'm trying to help you. Daughter, go get, you know. So anyways, number two, the testimony of God's righteousness, loving kindness, and judgment. This is what we ought to have in our life, that we are not just loving kindness. God bless your heart. This is God's word. It is what it says we are. I've written two books, go buy it. I'm not taking the right, I'm picking on a TV evangelist right there. (laughs) Kind of slick. Anyways, but it's beyond that. Yes, we ought to be loving, we ought to have loving kindness. We ought not be scorched earth, but we ought to have righteousness. If I'm not living right, I've got no business correcting anyone else. (laughs) I don't have any right. But yet I'm still held to. Do you realize that God holds us accountable for the neighbor next to us not living right? That we're supposed to go and let them know you're not living right? Well, that's for the preacher's job. No, it's not. That's for your job. It's us, for our job as believers to go to that neighbor and say, you know, you're not living right. And then we stop and we reflect ourselves. I don't feel comfortable doing that. Well, why not? Because I'm not living right. The truth will hurt. Ouch. What about clarity? Or what's our glorifying God? Do my standards bring praise and glory to God? Or is it all attention detailed? Is it all about me? I'm not going to pick on the Amish very much. They live their lives very separate. And if you ask them, they tell you they're doing it because they're living a separate life to bring, to let people know of the righteousness of God. That's why they wear different clothes. That's why everything's old fashioned. That's why why they don't have electricity. It's that you'll repent and come to Jesus. Clarity. You know the world is confusing as it is. If the if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, what should shall the righteous do? We live in a world where there's an uncertain sound being blasted from churches. The trump is making someone's off. The trump, you're, you're his there's a huge this huge orchestra, and we hear something off. We can't tell exactly what we know something's not there. It's just off. You know what I mean? It's like that one, like growing up, I would always go flat as a tenor. I just always would. And I would go flat. Imagine me flat. I'm crazy. But I would go flat as a tenor. I mean, I would flatten it like nobody's business. I would take a sharp and flatten it. I was that good. But I was like, it was bad. And I switched to bass. Now, I'm not a very good bass, but I switched to bass because I kept flattening out the tenor notes. It was not a very clear sound. The world is confusing as it is. Do my standards... Bring distinction to the teachings of Christ. Does my life exemplify loving kindness, righteousness, and judgment? Triumph. In John chapter number, six, uh, John chapter number uh, 16, verses 18 through 33, he speaks of cheer and triumph. I am not enslaved to this world. If spirit-filled... I am not enslaved to this world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I am not entangled with the affairs of this world if I am spirit-filled. He has overcome the world. Go to Romans chapter number 8. I love this passage. I love this verse. I used to be the person that takes parentheses out of the Bible and say, oh, they're not needed. But you know what? Parentheses are there for a reason. They give support. Romans chapter number 8. Remember in grade school, they said, oh, just take parentheses, pretend they're not there. That's really good when you're trying to diagram sentences. <laughs> Amen? If you're trying to shortcut English, <laughs> it's not very good when you're trying to read the Bible. <laughs> Let's read the Bible. Therefore, is there now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. But if I could just stop right there and just say, well, there's no condemnation. How many times do we hear that? Say, well, there's no condemnation. Can't judge. I'm free. Amen. Praise the Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner saved by grace. And we are, but we're not supposed to stay as sinners saved by grace. We are saints. We're made righteousness of God in him. We are the righteousness of Christ Jesus imputed into us. Pastor preached on that Wednesday as well. We have Christ's righteousness in us. When Christ sees me, he no longer sees my sin. He sees Jesus Christ's righteousness imputed to my behalf. He does not impute sin. He imputes Christ's righteousness. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Now who defines who are in Christ Jesus? Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. If you're walking after the flesh, there's condemnation. Now you won't go to hell. Don't get me wrong. You're not going to hell. You're always saved. You're going to suffer loss of the judgment seat. When our works are tried by fire, how much will be in vain? I'm not enslaved to this world. I don't have to be an addict. I don't have to be an addict. I don't have to live in misery. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good under the circumstances. What are you doing under there? I am more than a conqueror. I am more than victor. I am more than a conqueror. Nay, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Amen. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. I've got victory over this world. That sin cannot hold me down. That vice, that addiction, whatever it may be, that bad mindset, the circumstances you're in, does not hold you. If you allow the circumstances. How many have been in a bad circumstance before? A bad situation. Amen. Broken down, blown motor. Anybody? No? Your wife been in a hospital bed. Anyone? Ever? If I let my attitude get me down, if I let the things that I've been going through, if I let the circumstances that I've had in my life get me down, that's not what God wants. God wants us to look up, to be above that. I look to the promises, and I claim the promise that God has in Christ Jesus. I am a victor. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That's biblical. That's back in John. Truth. Do my standards support truth or does it hinder truth? God God does not require different from us. God God desires consecration, Romans chapter 12. God, God requires commitment. God requires us to have a cessation of sin. God wants us to give up sin. God wants us to stop living in sin. What? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. God requires cleanliness. God wants us to purify our hearts, our minds. Who shall ascend to the holy hill? Those who have clean hands, pure hearts. He said it in Psalms. He says it again in James I am the Lord, I change not. God requires clarity. Come out from among them and be separate. What? Know you not your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Don't, Don't live your life for the Lord. Now, if I do these things, if I live my life, whether I do or whether I don't live my life for these things, it gives these points and I'll be done. It demonstrates my heart's condition. It deflects my praise to God. Does it give praise to God or does it deflect praise to God? Determines my rewards. Well, God's the righteous judge. He'll figure it out. So I'll give it up to God. Oh, no. God's already told us how we get rewarded. It's not a hope so, it's a no so. He's given us His word, He's given us his handbook. his handbook. It delivers me from judgment. It delivers me from judgment. It's detrimental to my, to my testimony to the lost, and it discourages others from the faith. If I'm outliving as the Bible being my standard, as being my absolute, it does these. Now, you can have all the standards you want. We ought to have standards. But we need to make sure our standards, make sure what we do are biblical and for the right reasons. They need to be used by the Spirit to reprove the world of sin. That's loving kindness, of judgment, and of righteousness. If not, something's wrong upstream. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, I pray you to take this simple lesson. Help us, Lord, to apply it to our hearts and minds. In this time, we have a few minutes just to, to react, to respond to you. Uh, recently, a preacher said that if, if God's speaking to us, the, the gentleman thing to do is to respond back. So in this quiet time, I pray, Lord, you would speak to our hearts and help us to speak and do business with you. Lord, help us to reinforce the things that are right. And we thank you, Lord, for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. as we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, and just have a moment of invitation, maybe God's spoken to your heart. Are we living in accordance to the book? Sometimes I I feel like we get so accustomed to having the book, reading the book, hearing preaching about the book, that we don't allow it to affect our heart or where we're at spiritually. And we ought to be living In accordance to the book. And as the piano plays, if God has spoken to your heart, the altar's open. Maybe God's spoken to you about something that you need to do. Maybe something you need to clean up in your life. Maybe something that you just need to draw closer to Him.